John chapter 20, verse 31, please. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. What a wonderful passage for us here this morning. These things are written, it says. These things are written. It's a phrase that John likes to put in his writings. (laughs) He does it often if you read through this gospel or especially his epistles. He would say things like, on account of this, or because of this, or in this. And then he would just speak of... uh, what Jesus had done and the change it has made for us. Because John was not just a mere recorder of history. And John was not just a biographer of the life of Jesus. John saw the ramification of the life of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to you and me that Jesus Christ was here on this earth? That he lived among men? That he died on a cross? That he was buried? that he rose again. What does it mean to us that Jesus Christ is up from the grave? This verse says everything for us this morning. We're going to look at it just for a few minutes here. Because what he is saying in verse number 31 is the purpose, the purpose for all these things being recorded. You see, there was a purpose that he was born in the flesh. There was a purpose that he turned water into wine. That he walked on the sea. That he gave sight to the blind. There was a purpose that he healed the lame man. There was a purpose that he talked to the woman at the Samaritan well. There was a purpose that he fed 5,000. He raised a young man. He raised a little girl. He raised Lazarus from the dead for a purpose. He taught on a hillside. He taught in the synagogue. He taught in the temple. He taught everyday people. He taught religious leaders. He taught his disciples and all for a purpose. With purpose, he led his disciples into a garden to pray. He was arrested there, remember? It was for a purpose. He stood on trial. He withstood ridicule. He withstood brutality. He received reviling and injustice on purpose. He was beaten lashed with a whip for a purpose. He had a thorny crown smashed on his head. His robes were torn from his bleeding body for a good purpose. He was forced to carry a heavy cross. He was forced to walk the length of the city. He was forced to ascend up to the execution place called Golgotha to fulfill a purpose. The nails were driven through his hands and his feet for that same purpose. 
He suffered thirst. He suffered exhaustion and pain and mocking and blood loss and humiliation and muscle cramping with that same purpose in view. The worst of all the suffering came upon him when the weight of every sin, I can't even fathom it, folks, the weight of every sin, every offense of man in the sight of God was put upon him. Every drop of God's wrath was poured out on him, laid on him. But that not without the purpose in mind. He died purposely. Taking him down, cleaning and wrapping the body, carrying it to the tomb, setting it down within there, rolling the stone over the entrance, were all part of that purpose. Three days on purpose. And then... This is the day we're here for. The stone was rolled away to reveal that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Another piece of fulfilling the specific purpose. Appearing to his disciples and to the ladies, we read of their stories. That was on purpose. Eating with them was on purpose. Walking with them, talking with them was all part of the purpose. Ascending up into heaven was part of that purpose. Sitting down with his father was part of that purpose. Watching the realization of that purpose for all that he did. John says, many other things Jesus did. They were performed in the presence of his disciples. They're not written in this book, but these. These, all of these, have been written so that. This is a great purpose, folks. This is what he's been leading to. If we were all Greek students, we'd see the little word hina right here. We'd say, ooh, this is important. That's the purpose clause. That's the word that tells you why. What's it all about? What's the purpose of all these things? He says it twice in verse 31. So that, so that. What was it all about? What brought him to come here? What brought him to experience all these things? Ultimately to suffer and to die and then be buried and to rise again. What is the purpose? It is not a secret, folks. It is not a secret. There's nothing tricky here. Nothing that the pastor is being clever about. It's right here in your verse. This might amaze you. But right after it says, so that or that or whatever your phrase might say, that very next word is the purpose. What is it? You. You. These things were written so that you. Did you know that was the reason? It was about you, folks. It was about me. 
Isn't that amazing? All these things? We read it like it's some late history, years gone by. We read this like there's something, you know, well, we could put our doctrine to it. We could put our, our churches around it. We could worship this. We could set up holidays. We could do all these things. But it's about you that he did all these things. It's an amazing word that sits right there at the beginning. And we pass right by it because we're looking at the event without seeing the purpose. You, he says. Think about that for a minute. All this purpose I've shared with you already started with you. You. Far too often I know we're very severe on ourselves, and maybe we need to be. How often we see our sin, we see our weakness, we see how constant we are, consistent we are at doing it. We measure ourselves and we say, boy, do I feel small. And we do, don't we? We are truly unworthy creatures. (laughs) Just to get a touch, just to get a drip of mercy, to get a little bit of relief, maybe just a spoonful of forgiveness, just a tiny glimpse of God's favor coming our way, and we say, oh, that will help a lot. But folks, I think we greatly underestimate the love He has for us. Please don't miss the fact that all these things were done, and He starts the purpose with you. You. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He came so that you would believe. That you would believe. He died so that you would believe. He rose again so that you would believe. You may wonder how important is it that one believe in Jesus. Jesus didn't hesitate to show you how important it was to him that you believe. He proved it with all these things, didn't he? Let me just say it pretty clearly as I can here. If you desire heaven, and I know very few people who don't, (laughs) if you desire heaven, the plan to go there when you pass on from this earth, it's only possible through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. That great purpose of you being there was accomplished by Him. That's how important it was to Him. If you desire forgiveness, you hope to find relief for your soul and your conscience, there was Jesus in the upper room who told His disciples at that last meal, we remember this a couple nights ago, He gave them the cup of wine and He said, This is the blood of My covenant. This is poured out for many for." Forgiveness of sins. There's only one way to have your sins forgiven, and that's through His blood. That's the only way. That's how important it is to Him that you believe. If you seek peace, peace with God, 
It only comes through Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I could go on and on and on this morning. What we have because of Jesus Christ. All these things He's done for us. The testimony of Scripture is clear. We must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must. That's what it calls us to do. That's what his entire life was all about, that we might believe. That we might believe. See, not only does our great need call for a Savior, but as John says, that's the purpose of all that Jesus did, so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. There's something very interesting I want to share with you from this verse that we're looking at here, that you might believe. And I I was kind of surprised by this. I thought it was pretty straightforward when I started looking into it. Because over the years, a lot of Greek manuscripts have been found. Thousands of them. And the scholars have been able to set them side by side and and look at them. And I've got a particular uh, Bible study program that highlights what they call the variants. You say, what's a variant? Well, you don't have to memorize this. No quiz. Okay? A variant is where this manuscript says this and this manuscript says that. And so what they do when they put it together, they put them both side by side and they put it in such a way that I could see that as I'm reading it. And I said, how could there be any variance on this point? Believe is believe, right? It sounds so simple. How could there be anything other than that said on the text? And I said, what kind of variant would be in this passage? So I looked it up a little closer. And I found there were two different sets of manuscripts. And here's what was amazing to me. Because one set of these manuscripts said, so that you might believe. I said, well, perfect. That's what we want. Never mind the rest, right? We'll go with that. Well, this is what it said. It said that in what we call in the Greek the aorist tense. And just a technical thought for a second. But that is the initial simple act of believing. Like the day you first came to trust Christ as your Savior. You found salvation in His name. That's where it all begins for us, right? I mean, His purpose was years and years and years ago. And we could read in Scripture how far back even His plan for you starts. And it's way before this world was even created. It blows me away. But there was a day when you came to know Christ as Savior, right? That day. It's like this set of manuscripts talking this way. They said, it was that simple act of believing so that you might begin here. Having believed at that moment. I can't stress that enough. You need a Savior. We have one. And He's alive. And He's alive. And He can save you right now. If you need Christ as Savior right now, you can talk to Him right now while I'm talking. It won't distract Him. His whole purpose was that you might believe. What better day to start that than this day? Believe the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can save you. Now you say, okay, well that's pretty good, Pastor, but you said there was another set of scrolls, and what's that? Well, here's what it said. That you might believe. You say, okay, son, that's just like the same. 
but it was present tense. Present tense. They changed the tense from past tense to present tense. And by doing that, they add one little word to the definition that you may continually believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And I said, okay, how does that work? Continually believe. You know, that phrase has huge ramifications on our life right now. Think of this little phrase. Our faith is not based on just a historical piece. Our faith is not based on a document from years gone by. It's not based on an old photograph or a signature or a date in the front cover of your Bible. Our belief in Jesus does not start and end on the day we're saved. It continues. It continues. It goes on and on and on and on. You see, Jesus didn't do all this just for one initial act of faith, but for the continuous ramification of our belief in Him. Here's the point. We don't need Him once. We need Him always. That's why He lives. That's why our faith goes on and on and on and on. Because it's a continuous thing for us. That's why He rose from the dead. That we might live. That we might always live. You see, all Jesus did is our constant reminder that we must continually believe Him. Let me say it this way. Life is challenging. Do you know it? Wow! All the things that pile into our life, all the activities that, that drowned out everything else because it's so big. On this side of the cross, faith is necessary. Faith is extremely necessary. What we need is a constant reminder that He is the healer of the blind. That He is the healer of the lame. That He is the healer of the deaf. That He is the one who raised from the dead. That He is the giver of grace. That He is the giver of life. That He is the giver of forgiveness. He is our shepherd always. He is our water of life. He is our bread. He is our light. Belief is for every day, folks. It's for every day. The purpose that He has is that we would have present tense believing in Him. You see it? I like that. I like both of those. Because we need that first time when we come to know Him as Savior. But we need Him every moment since. And that's a beautiful picture of what i just seen. So I'm not so upset about a variant anymore. Are you? It's like, wow, this is terrific. It speaks to all of us. And that's what's true of the resurrection of Christ. It speaks to every single person. Every single need. We need a Savior. And He's alive. And we can believe in Him. We can believe in Him. I've said much on this point, but that's what I bring it down to. The first point of all this is that we might believe. Believe for the first time. And that by believing, we believe for all times. 
Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now go back to that verse again. Now that you've seen some of the background, it says, the first purpose, so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now it does it a second time. Another hinna in the passage. So that, while believing, you might have life in His name. Life in His name. Isn't that the center of our celebration today? Life. Life. Jesus, up from the grave, back to life. The disciples watched Him. They watched Him bring a little girl back to life. Could you imagine being there, maybe Peter or John, when that took place? The disciples were there when he stopped a funeral procession one day and brought the young man back to life. The disciples were there when he stood out in the cemetery and called forth Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And he did, didn't he? What would you have said on your Facebook page later? Wow, wish you'd been here. Right? Any of those events would have left us in awe. Absolute awe. But what do you do when the one who has this life-giving miracle ability dies? How hopeless they might have felt at that moment to see him die. How helpless they must have felt when they put that body in a tomb and the stone was rolled in front of it. How marvelous it must have been to see him alive. To hear his voice. See, without the resurrection, we would never, never know eternal life. We would never know it. We would be helpless, and we would be hopeless forever. But this is a purpose, again, that it says, so that you might have life in His name. Life in His name. Jesus did it this way. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's His promise. Your salvation through Him is His purpose. For all these things, John said, all these things was written for that purpose, and it involved you. You. Do you see the ramification of the resurrection this morning? It gets more and more wonderful the more you study it. You keep pulling out verses and say, Wow! Praise God for this resurrection morning! Praise God for the difference it's made in my life. The difference it made in your life. In all of our lives because of Jesus Christ. Paul couldn't contain himself one day as he's writing and he's just burst out. And said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He couldn't help but say it. What, a better, what better way is there to start a resurrection morning? This is what he's done for you. Do you believe him? Do you keep on believing him? 
That's the purpose of why he did all these things. All these things. These have been written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. This morning, if you do not have Christ as your Savior, you could call for him right now. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, it says in Scripture. You could talk to him right where you're sitting. You could say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And the record of Scripture says that you came and you died for me. That's the only place I could get forgiveness. The only place I could find life is in you. Today, I trust you as my Savior, my Lord. I received the free gift of your salvation. I belong to you now. You can do that right now. And I hope if you've never known Christ as your Savior, you would do that right now. And for the rest of us who do, we're here to celebrate. But this is not for today only, is it? Our faith is to keep going and going and going. We live in light of a resurrected Savior. I want you to believe that each and every day. We need that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. A simple little passage, but a powerful passage in our life. A powerful passage for us. How encouraging it is to know that our Savior lives. He's alive right now. He is the same that we read of in Scripture. All His power, all that He is able to do, all His love, all His grace, all His mercy, it's ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing in Him is something we must do. And we thank You that we can do because of what You've done for us. We rejoice in this morning. We rejoice that our Savior is alive. We praise You for a day like today that we can celebrate. But may it be a celebration of a lifetime. May we go forth from here, rejoicing on our way, because we have a risen Savior. We give you the glory today. May it be seen in our songs and the way we sing them. The words of our cantata we will have in another hour or so. In our fellowship. In every single aspect of our service today, may Jesus Christ be praised. That's why we're here. And we pray this in His wonderful, matchless, living name. Amen.